welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, TV shows, video games, and anything else pop culture. Today, we'll be taking a look at the latest entry into the MCU, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. My name is Ivan, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Multiversal Conqueror and leader of the Council of Emmets, Emmet, the Prime version, of course. Is that anything like Amazon Prime, or...? Um... No, just like prime as in like primary as in yeah, Optimus. There you go. Big overlord title. Yeah, my term's coming to an end soon. So are you going to consider running for my seat? Uh, I don't think I could run things as diligently as you have the last, you know, however Mm, number. You mispronounced that. It's negligently. Oh, negligently. My bad. My bad. My bad. (laughs) Grossly negligent. I've been called. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let, let, let me let me ask you a quick question before we head into all the stuff we're about to cover but if oh wow if there is a multiverse out there and there are multiple infinite number of emmets out in the world mm. which which version of yourself do you see yourself being i guess the like what's what's the optimal like prime optimus, version of emmet optimus prime of me yeah What's he doing right now? Who is he? What's he got? Okay, so he is a Twitch streamer successfully. <laughs> He's living out my current dream. But you know, like how in Ant in uh, Ant Man there was somebody who looked like broccoli. Oh yeah. My guy looks like the inflatable car salesman uh, thing that oh, like the a wavy, wacky wave wall. Yeah. He looks like that, but he is a Fortnite streamer on Twitch, crushing it. Nice, absolutely crushing it. Nice, I I, I could see that. I could see that world. <laughs> what about you? I think hard to top that. <laughs> I think the prime version of me is somewhere out there on the lonely ranch with his group of horses looking He's after cattle. Uh, well, yeah, he's he's alone in this world. <laughs> he's oh, last lo- man alive. Yeah, lone survivor. <laughs> that's like, prime version of you. That's prime version of me. But but twist here, similar <laughs> in terms of like you know he's not broccoli, but he's looking a little bit like I don't know like like a big old corn dog or something. I feel like that that's that's prime version of me. No, actually, I take that back. I'm I'm Twinkie guy. I'm the guy in the Twinkie box riding some horses, but somehow still. No, no, no. Heck, heck no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the Twinkie guy looks Oh, I see it now. It looks like a Twinkie with, with a cowboy, cowboy boots. Outfit. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like uh, budget Woody. From yeah, with, with no pants, but he's wearing everything from like the chest up. So it only took you to be the last person on Earth to be the best version of you. Living with horses, yeah, but yeah, okay, pretty much. All right, good questions. <laughs> Let's get into our walls. <laughs> Tough segue from there. You take it away first because I feel like you got more to say than I do this I, week. No, I don't have a lot to say. Oh, okay, then I have more to say this but, week than you do. But mine's real quick, so I will go. Um, have you been watching Last of Us on HBO? So I, I'm up to episode two, and I'm, I have not been keeping up. Currently, so I have a very big binge to do over is the that last out of couple of days. Time constraints or interest? Because this is one of the most interesting shows I think. 
it's con- time constrained. It's just, I've just been so busy the last two weeks, but um, I and it's also like an hour, so I don't want to put it on while I'm working. You know, like and I it's really fo- it's a focus show for sure. Yeah, I, I played the, the the game a little while ago, so I like I kind of know the story because it's kind of adapting it pretty closely. But how, how how's how's it been? How, past episode two, of course. Well, I haven't played it. Emmett Prime would have played it. Um my other world he definitely would have and he probably would have donated to charity a lot of the profits he was making for that stream you know it doesn't seem like something he would do (laughs) (laughs) on no world (laughs) um no i am really liking it and it's funny or it's interesting because like these game adaptation shows are usually misses and this feels like an absolute hit and i don't know if it's because like they you know tried to stick to the script of the show and just really just make it an on-screen appearance of it or a live action uh showing or if it's oscar isaac or pedro pascal i don't know why i've been doing that all week uh <laughs> they're bffs it's, it's easy to confuse those i know things. uh it's like the poe dameron and then jared thing going on for me uh but no pedro pascal like he is an absolute beast of an actor I, I just love him in this role it's another you know apocalyptic type world where he has to get a kid the chosen one to a destination that's his thing that's his it thing. works it's a great formula <laughs> it's a petro pascal world we're just living in it <laughs> i would love to uh but no i i'm really enjoying it and i i, I haven't had like a week-to-week show where i've actually been waiting for the next episode to drop for a while like, I don't know, was it Rings of Power? But even that was like, I could kind of chill out. I wasn't like highly anticipating it. I feel like it's also, it must be a, a pretty, I think even bigger anticipation level having not played the game. Or I don't know if you've seen any of this. Like I've watched some streams of it. Um, so I get like the idea of where we're going, but it's still like a good it's like the video games where it's like a twist where it's like you get attached to a character and then you lose that character in the same episode type of thing. Yeah. Uh, which is tough to watch, but it is like, you can see where they had those adaptations of like, you can choose this path or this path. And then they ultimately lead to like somebody dying, <laughs> <laughs> which is part of the fun of those games. Right. Yeah. I really like the first two episodes of this. I thought like from the first episode on, uh, like I, I thought they did a really good job adapting it. Uh, so much so that I feel like sometimes it's a little hard to to like judge a show based off of the first episode, right? But I think that first introduction gripped me just as much as the intro to the video game, which I thought was going to be really hard to do because Hollywood can't help itself but to like rewrite things and yeah. remix it. And they seem to be, at least from what I've seen, they seem to be pretty sticking pretty close to the game. So uh, I'm excited. They, they did announce like season two already. So I hope. Uh, I, I I hope they cover the story as respectfully as possible, and because you know, if they do follow the game, we're in for one heck of a treat this season. Yep, I'm into it. And then uh, I'm also just really getting hyped up for Ted Lasso. I didn't even realize it was coming back until a couple days ago. It's been like so quiet about season three. I finally saw the first season. Whoa! Yeah, you're waiting on uh honestly it's been on my like a lot of people have recommended it to me and i thought because you know i'm not much of a sports guy like i wouldn't really 
get into it all that much but i i really enjoyed that first season and i i got more to catch up on obviously but um, it's not really about sports so it's like if the office is about paper then this is about sports <laughs> right yeah like the 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 narrative kind of takes uh front and center there but yeah i, I was i was pleasantly surprised so definitely going to check out season three once i get maybe season try two. season two first <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right that's it for me i got two walls i got i got two <laughs> i had to but like i'm replacing one with something else <laughs> you just demoed one of your walls <laughs> i know yeah i'm gonna wing one here but like the 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 first thing i wanted to do is just kind of touch touch base or do a little quick temp check on bad batch um because oddly enough because it's like a 30 no not even 30 it's like 22 minute long episodes i have it playing in the background while i'm working on wednesdays and i'll be honest with you I'm it's not horrible, but it's also not like something where I feel like I need to drop what I'm doing and watch it specifically. Um, they've had some good episodes. I feel like three out of the last couple episodes have been pretty good. Uh, so I've been keeping up with it week over week. It's just I feel like I, I can't help but shake the season one vibes from it where I feel like it's still struggling to find its footing. Um, but when it's good, it's really good. You know, like, and and I think that um, to me, I'm just a little disappointed that they're not really going all out with some of the more heavier elements of story, which again, they've touched on like three or four times in the episode so far. But it's just, you know, it's, you know, when we were talking about stuff that we wanted to cover week over week, I thought maybe Bad Badge would be a good thing to cover. But now having seen like the first couple episodes, I'm like, "Mm, there's not too much to talk about. You know, have you been keeping up with it? I let my Disney subscription die, so I have to renew oh. it for Mandalorian <laughs> next week. Because um, I did like a whole thing with Hulu where I bundled them, and I said I don't need Hulu, and then that died consequently. Uh, so I saw up to the pod racing one, I think it was four. So I'm probably like, what is it? Like, there's eight released, and then still a few more to come. So yeah. I've seen like half of them. I agree. I I also was putting it on in the background and then I was just missing stuff. And I was like, I'm not missing that I'm missing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that to me is the sign of a show I don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's yeah. it's just too formulaic where it's like, I don't know, it's different than clones where or rebels where we really got into like different arcs. And had different characters leading those arcs. This is just the same characters leading, you know, one or two episode arcs. And it seems yeah. like they're more this season. It's been more just like one episode, one problem, solve it. Something totally different the next time. Well, all the stuff with the Bad Batch themselves, that's what it's been. Um, I really liked episode three with uh, Commander Cody's uh, stuff. I, was episode two or episode three? Was that one the Crosshair one? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that one was yeah. really good. And that's that's what I mean. Like, when it's good, it's really good. But, like, I feel like they're just not really giving it their all. There's a... Anytime they base stuff on the clones and what's going on with the clones in the Empire, it gets really good. But if it's just, like, your Villain of the Week episode, you know, it's, like, you kind of... I, I know, like, the, the show isn't necessarily, like, an adult-oriented show. But at the same time, I feel like you could say the same thing about Rebels and Clone Wars. But they had 
stuff that kind of catered to like a more mature audience and a kid audience, and it was a perfect balance. Um, and this one just, I feel like it's struggling to really hit that because this still feels like we're on season one, whereas I feel like the other shows kind of found their footing and started playing with heavier elements. But at this point, yeah, the other thing too, like Last of Us makes me want to tune in every week because they are hour long, intense. These are, like you said, 20 minute pop episodes where it's like, why are you making us wait a week for this? You should just drop the whole season and just let people like binge it at their own pace or whatever. So I think when I reinstitute my Disney account, I'll probably catch up on it, but I'll probably wait till everything's out and then I can, it's only going to be what, like six episodes. So like a couple hours. Um, I think it's a 22 episode season. Okay. Well then never mind. <laughs> It'll be a full day. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a lot that we're going to be uh, what was getting season through. One? I mean, was there? I want to say it was like 12 or something. No, 16. I'm looking at it online. It was 16? Okay. That's still, a, that's still a heavy amount of episodes, though, for like what we normally see on streaming. Yeah, and I want to say the last two were longer. I can't remember. But, okay. I mean... I do think it is more just like I do want to watch it and pay attention to it. But the four that I watched, like the opening of the season I watched, I was like, I'm okay if I miss stuff. And that to me was like, I can tune out. Yeah, and it is that kind of show. Um, the second thing I want to talk on real quick, um, you know, I, I think you well. Just say we, it. We, <laughs> Get it out. I, I think besides a handful of people. You might be the only other person I've ever talked to that like actively yeah. saw some of the more like non like um the some of the movies that are not like ha- making headlines and stuff like the stuff that's a little bit more obscure like your your A24 films basically is what I'm referring to here but um I was catching up on some stuff over the last couple of weeks and and then we're in through the holidays on some of the like Oscar contenders and stuff that we've uh, that we've seen uh, and I, z- I zoned in a little bit more on the A24 side of things because I feel like that's a studio that's consistently releasing some really, really good and unique stuff. Uh, but I wanted to highlight something that I thought was really cool. Uh, it's Top a f- Gun? It's not Top Gun. <laughs> nope. Sorry, it, 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 it's a foreign movie. Um, because why not? Uh, it's a foreign movie that I believe A24 co-produced. It's called Close. It's this... I, th- I want to say it's like a French movie about these two kids growing up, but it tackles like themes of like masculinity and growing up and all that. It's a, uh, it, it's a pretty, it was a movie that I, first off, I did, I wasn't expecting to like really like, like, cause most of the time when I'm watching like a foreign movie, it's, it gets hard depending on like, if it's a like visually stimulating movie, it's hard to pay attention to the subtitles for me and the visuals. Uh, but the movie tackled some pretty heavy themes um it was surprisingly not surprisingly but like it, it, it was it was pretty deep it tackled some heavy themes it, it it and it delivered it in a really really nice package um i don't normally like recommend foreign films just because i feel like it's 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 a tough thing to kind of get anybody into i feel like hey you got to read subtitles it kind of turns some people off but the movie's pretty cool like i i, I thought it was uh I, I thought it was something that you don't see out of like an American, uh, normal like a normal American production, 
Um, and it's some of the stuff that like kind of reminds me of like the the more classic, especially like coming of age stories that we don't really see all that much getting much attention. Besides like the ones that just want it, are clearly built out for wanting an Oscar. Uh, this one was pretty good. It, it kind of reminded me of Eighth Grade, which was produced mm. a couple years ago. Um, but again, like I, I think it's French. I, I might be totally wrong on that one, but yeah, it was pretty good. Um, just something to keep in mind. Like, there's movies that I feel like we missed over the last year that uh, you know are worth getting more attention. I feel like in this day and age where the blockbuster is kind of getting more and more attention, some of these are getting just kind of pushed aside. So I hope they continue to make content like this because it's, it's really cool. It's really important. I feel like uh, the way that they've been handling it has been really, really uh, good. Look at that, folks. We can do more than just Marvel. Um, I haven't seen that or heard of it. <laughs> and I've done such a terrible job this year on Oscar nominations. So uh, if I can find a way to watch this, I will check it out, man. Yeah, I think it should be on streaming in a couple weeks, supposedly. Because I, I, I got this... Uh, I got a little bit like a like a streaming package thing from a friend of mine Ooh, that just kind of had access to some of these films. But I, I took the time to actually watch through some of these, so... That, that that was one that kind of stuck out to me because I feel like it tackled some themes that I think uh, are should be like a healthy conversation, especially for people here in the U.S. For sure. Can I talk about one other Oscar? Yeah. Nom? Have you seen Avatar: The Way of Water? What's up, for <laughs> bro? <laughs> bro, what's up, for bro? Nom? bro. <laughs> I have seen Avatar: The Way of Water. As a matter of fact. <laughs> We need to not just reward things because they make a lot of money. Get that out of the nominations. Uh, wait, like, what is it? Was it nominated? It's up for, for best, best picture. picture. Yeah. No. I mean, put it put it no. in there for like, uh, whatever the like visuals or scores or whatever like that. I don't care about those things. Nobody does. But get it out of the best picture combo. That's you cannot have bro as the number one said word in your movie. And be nominated, <laughs> and like not be like, like and then like intentional about the the plot. It's just like they just kept working it in there. There's stuff on the nomination, and we we could we could probably dedicate a whole episode to the to the Oscars. But there's contenders on this on this year's uh, list, or, or like at least the ones that are kind of like in the running for things that I think don't deserve to be on there. For sure. And there's other stuff that, like you said, I feel like it's just like a reward. Like, oh, like you unlocked this prestige because you won X amount of dollars at the box office. Here's your invitation. Yeah. Like, even with, with the original Black Panther, I know we nom- they nominated it for Best Picture. And look, listen, it's a good movie. But it's not Best Picture contender. Yeah. And, like, Top Gun Maverick shouldn't be in this conversation either. Like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I mean, those those dogfighting scenes mirrored. The I mean, the beach, scene alone. <laughs> the beach scene alone. Hello. <laughs> Every scene with Miles Teller in it deserves a good <laughs> nomination. Yeah, we should we should talk Oscars sometime. But let's uh, let's get into what we're here for, what people are clamoring for. Oh, the hotlines are ringing. Drake. <laughs> uh, we're talking Ant Man three. Quantum Manium Mania Manio. This should just be called Ant Man and Jonathan Majors Quantum Mania. Because I feel like and Michelle was... Pfeiffer. And Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer has a secret. Quantum Mania. 
Michelle Pfeiffer was in this more than the Wasp. <laughs> like, uh, she is Quantumania. She is. What's and that she... girl who is Quantumania was not in this from <laughs> Ant too. What the heck? All right, we're getting into a spoiler there, but uh, were you surprised that opening weekend this did a uh, hundred mil in domestic, another four hundred or so in global for a total of half a bill? Does that surprise you? No, I think it's right on par with what the previous. Two, it's it's bit. I think this is the biggest opening for an Ant Man movie. Um, Good question. No, th- definitely, because the first one earned around fifty or sixty million dollars. I know the second one did around seventy, seventy-five million opening weekend. So this one hitting one hundred and four is definitely like it's showing that the franchise, for at least this one, is steadily growing. Now, what that means in terms of quality is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but I think that it's 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 not too surprising for me. Like I don't see this movie gaining anywhere near what like black panther 2 made or even like thor love and thunder i don't think this is a billion dollar film um but it's right it's right on there this has never been like a big breadwinner for marvel yeah i mean i'm surprised i guess it's like we haven't really had a marvel movie since thor when was that july no we had black panther 2 in november oh we did have that that's forgettable Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I guess it. All right, never mind. That theory goes out the window. I, let's I not, guess people just like Paul Rudd and Jonathan Majors, which is why I went. Let's not sugarcoat the, our opinions here. And why don't you hit us? Like, take your first with, shot. With okay? my general thoughts? <laughs> yeah, take your first shot with the general thoughts. <laughs> All right. The guy who hates everything gives this a thumbs down. <laughs> Uh, as my short review, as the long, I'll say like, I'll do the pros and cons first. Pros, I absolutely love Jonathan Majors in this. He's the absolute best part of this. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. Cons, I don't know. I think the writing, the quality, and like the level of the humor is kind of too low. I think that like they make some convenient plot points and like plot decisions that you can easily just write in after the fact to make everything work. Uh, so there were some, like definitely some major flaws with how this movie was laid out. However, I mean, I think this is on par with the rest of phase four. Like I, I don't know how I would, would rank these between like Thor four and black Panther two. Um, I mean, they're right. It's right there with those, but that's like lower tier of the all time list to me. Um, so I, I don't know. Personally, I feel like this is just a peak, like a step down from the peak Marvel, right? Like peak Marvel was like ramping up to Endgame and Infinity War with some like, you know, other peaks and troughs along the way to there. Right. But I don't know. I think the humor level is just kind of like childish, which is funny sometimes. But then it's like I'm looking around the theater and I see a bunch of kids at this late night showing of it. And I'm like, oh, they're not writing for me. They're writing for a new audience. So to me, I'm thinking like phase four is proving just to be like, let's hook in a new generation of kids so that they're here for the next phase five, six, whatever. And like keep them addicted to the system, like how we have been for the past 10 years. And maybe it's like, it's our turn to phase out while they phase in. 
I'm kind of dittoing a lot of what you're saying here. I will disagree on like I feel like Black Panther 2 was probably like a lot closer to like a Shang-Chi and Phase 4 than anything else. Also, this is the first Phase 5 really? movie. We're in Phase 5? Yeah, Jeez. we're in Phase 5. Black Panther 2 <laughs> was the end of Phase 4. Yeah, I, I thought Black Did Panther 2 Did anything happen in Phase a, 4? <laughs> not not particularly, to be honest. Like, I, I thought Black Panther 2 was, was, was pretty good. Um, I would not put that at like Thor 4 level. Was it, or Thor three? Was it? No, it's Thor. Thor four. Um, I Thor would four. put I would put this closer to Thor four, but I don't think it's quite there. Um, at that same kind of low level. Um, I'll say this: like I, I I agree. I think Jonathan Majors was the best part of this movie. Uh, Jonathan Majors was the thing that saved the experience for me. Uh, to a lot of degrees, every single scene he was in, I thought it was like a scene stealer but this i thought the same thing in the loki series too he really put in a really good performance as kang here and i'm excited to see what they do with his character next um that being said out of all your franchises across the marvel cinematic pantheon of you know worlds why would you debut the ultimate like the next thanos level threat in ant-man and not only that, but also go the route that we go. Because I, I I think we should just get into like kind of spoilery tidbits here because you know, we're not dividing this up neatly. But the, you know, Lu- Kang's loss at the end of this film, I feel like... Oh, we've entered the spoilers. Yes, <laughs> we've entered the spoilers here. Uh-oh, uh, hit rewind if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Listen, I... You want to start at the end? I'm yeah, cool I want to I want I want to start at the Let's, end because I feel like that's the thing worth talking about in this in this film. It. Let's talk about the ending. I think all <laughs> things all things Kang are worth talking about in this movie. Time is an experience the same way with yeah. uh, with the ending. So let's just go right there. <laughs> Listen, I uh, no, I'm with you. Let's get into it. I I, I don't I don't agree with having the first appearance of this big villain have him lose especially have him lose to 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 scott of all characters yeah uh but also you know separating that from there all right like let's say there is a way i feel like and 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 the biggest issue i think both of us had with phase four is the lack of consequence for things right like i feel like the best way to to have ended this movie would have been to trap scott in the quantum realm with him so that that way they both lost you know you don't get a particular win or not or even like kill off scott here or somebody from from his team not because i feel like death like i like is the end all be all in these movies it's clearly not never is no but 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 i feel like it ups the stakes and it like establishes the character as a big threat whereas i feel like especially if we're going to go so quickly into the next Avengers phase of movies here. It just, it felt a little like um, you have such a really prime cut of performance here with Jonathan Majors with like a C-level script. Yeah, I think the problem that like what you're trying to articulate is like you can't have the stakes be from Ant-Man or from Paul Rudd's character saying, I don't need to win. I just need us both to lose. And then he wins. Like (laughs) the stakes were set where he's willing to lay on the grenade 
like Captain America and stay down there with him and die to him to stop him from getting to the, you know, like the upper world or whatever. So it's annoying and frustrating to watch him put up a fair fight with Kang. And I get that like Kang's suit was like getting destroyed in the process. So he was losing some of his powers. I get that. Like, yeah, he's not as strong, but he is still strong without the suit. And Ant-Man is just a human who was losing his suit as well. So it's like, I don't see why that's a fair and even level fight. And I get that like Wasp comes back and helps, but then it's like, okay, if this Kang dies, I'm okay with that. Cause we know there's 10 million waiting in the wings, but they should be trapped down there for longer than two seconds. While Cassie comes up with this like quick fix portal to the quantum realm, uh, you know, beacon that was destroyed in the earlier scene and right she didn't like bring data back with her it's also like i feel like losing scott would have been a really good motivation to do whatever it is you're going to do with cassie because clearly we keep setting up all these young avengers characters so yeah there you go there's your motivation (laughs) for like whatever you want to carry into that story um but I, i i do think that you know the Kang stuff, I have a million theories of just because of the nature of his character from the comics. But, like, I feel like as an audience goer, like, if I were to take that away, you know, strip it away and just look at this as a regular moviegoer, I don't see how Kang is the next Thanos, you know, at the end of this movie. Like, I don't see how, he, like, unless I saw Loki also, there's no. There's nothing in this movie that establishes him as that unless you stay for both end credit scenes here. Oh, there was a second. I missed that one. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, okay, I talked to the first one. I see how he's the next Thanos level because he's just got a sheer quantity effect where each is very strong, intelligent, and a lot of them have decided to form this society of we will unite our interests and have everything aligned and our attention just got pointed to you because now you're uh, proving to be a threat by defeating someone we couldn't defeat so i get that level the thing that's going to be annoying is that like you can kill off all of them and just keep creating more so it's like when does that stop (laughs) well that's what i thought like i thought because this was kang the conqueror right that that's the variant we got here I thought this was going to be the guy that stays. And, and I, I personally don't think they killed him off at the end of this film. Um, because he got shoved into something that. They, they, what did they label that? The, the, um, it's like a time drive, right? Essentially, or like some, something that allows multiverse jumping. So I don't think he's dead. But I also feel like if we wanted to go that route, maybe we should have established that a little bit clearer. Because I, I feel like we need one of these variants of Kang to really hang on to as being like, that's the supreme evil dude. And I thought that's what they were going to do here. But if they did kill him off, I think it's a bad move. Uh, because every single version of, of Kang that we got highlighted in that end credit sequence, both end credit sequences, is a version of Kang that has its own kind of baggage to it in the comics so i i don't know i just i feel like 
we kind of you know I, I don't know i just don't see the 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 threat level from like a main audience goer uh this point of view if this isn't the big bad which you're trying to paint it to be who is and if you're not going to show us glimpses of like thanos being like fine i'll do it myself like i need that guy yeah in this i need creed 3 jonathan majors to show up <laughs> as as the big bad yeah uh, but... can you talk about the second oh you... i thought you were joking here <laughs> no i actually left you left too, okay. many, too many credits too it's many <laughs> people um, have done these projects okay so this is so I'm trying to remember the sequence of these. So, so the first end credit sequence was the Council of Kings. So we saw the Ramatut version. The I forget the other two names, but the 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 really weird looking ones with different headdresses and stuff, right? They're that was the weird. first. They're sequence. just different looking. Okay. Okay. okay yeah. <laughs> um. So we got we got those. Um, and in they're the like arena. summoning all the other variants of Kang. Yeah. So that was clearly. That was the Council of Kangs, which I liked when they were zooming out. It was like pretty much a panel to screen translation of the the same scene happening in the comics. Um, oh the really? Sec- yeah, the second scene, which Marvel does that a lot too. Like, there's a lot of like iconic shots that are taken directly from the comic books that they adapt to the screen. Um, the second scene, I wish it would have stayed for this one. It directly ties into Loki, uh, because it, it it starts off with a it looks like a 1920s uh, like university lecture and a variant of Kang uh, called Victor Timely from the comics uh, doesn't get mentioned here, but I think, I think his name Victor gets, gets name dropped here. Um, but it's, it's another variant of Kang living in the 1920s and he's discussing the, the theory of time travel to this uh, group of university students. And as the camera pans out, um, you then get a close-up look of Loki and Mobius in the crowd, and Mobius leans over to Loki and he's like, "I don't get it. Like you said, this guy was like a scary-looking dude." And then Loki leans back and he's like, "He is. He's terrifying." And that's it. That's where it cuts. Um, okay. But it establishes like where we're gonna go. Obviously, we're gonna get more backstory to Kang in in Loki, which it gets me more excited for that series. But I feel like, again, if you're the general audience goer, you have to start tying this thread in or at least summarizing something that we saw in another show here. Otherwise, you're kind of really hoping and depending that these people are tuning into Disney Plus and watching the show and not like letting their subscriptions <laughs> run out and expire after a promotional period. I um, felt targeted. <laughs> so so it just i feel like it i don't know i feel like we're depending too much on people putting two and two together instead of like giving enough piece piece of the pie here to to kind of start piecing that story together i mean this is what we've been asking for though in all fairness that like we want this stuff connected but it's not the stuff I want connected. I want Shang Chi to show up with the rings. It's like I want yeah. that to mean something, not just be like, "Who are we sending a beacon to?" Oh, we'll come back to that in a while. The, the, this the other thing too, like um, in you know, kind of expanding a little bit out of Kang here, but the thing that kept bugging me 
in this movie, especially when it comes to like Michelle Pfeiffer's character, is the fact that all of a sudden the quantum realm is a big no-no for her. Whereas in the second movie, especially like the post-credit sequence of that that leads up to Endgame, the whole sequence was them going back into the quantum realm to get like energy or something for that ghost character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like all this time you didn't you figure like all right, I'm cool with you going down to the quantum realm. I know there's a big threat. I'm not going to tell you about it. And now, all of a sudden, it's it's a big deal. Even though at the beginning of this movie, she had no idea where they were going to land in the quantum realm or what they were going to get to. But I don't know. To me, it was just like a big plot hole that I'm kind of like, this doesn't make sense. No, there's a lot of loose threads that, like, if you start pulling, it doesn't make any sense. Like, she's, like, Casey or Cassie is sending a beacon transmitter like just to gather information which turns into a portal like where did that come from they used to need a right. the, the minivan with the thing in the back to get shrunk down to that level so it's like none of this is adding up or like staying in line with uh what you've set up before you know something i did actually like, I don't think it's, like, a brilliant part of the film, but I, I didn't have a problem with it, and it seems like a lot of people do, is the character of MODOK and the fact that we're recycling Darren Cross into that character. Listen, anybody who's read a comic book that has MODOK in it, you know this is a very silly character that is not going to get adapted well, if you even if you try to build it up into something serious. So I feel like the way that they went about MODOK here... I think it's as as good as as it could get for that character. Um, if you were to adapt him straight from the comics, he would look terrifying, <laughs> and and I don't and not digestible for a PG thirteen film. No, I think they did a good job. Like I don't, I don't mind that they used him again. I think they told that fine enough. Um, I wish that was a better kept secret because it wasn't a surprise when. He started talking and right. like he showed up on screen. So that was the thing I had a problem with. But also, like, the lamest conversation was between him and Cassie is like, at the end, like, it's not too late to be a dick. Look at me, I'm a full dick. Like, that's <laughs> the lowest hanging fruit of a joke that you can make. And that's when I was yeah. like, that's when I realized, oh, all these kids are laughing and I'm not because. That's not written for me. Well, I'll tell you another thing. The writers for this movie are the Rick and Morty writing cast. Ugh. Which, listen, I like. I enjoy my Rick and Morty episode here and there. Yeah, that's the guy. This is the guy from Fortnite. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, I enjoy the Rick and Morty stuff here and there, but like, this is a whole other thing, and I feel like the the, the dialogue just didn't fit the narrative. Yeah. Like some jokes landed. Like I love the whole Baskin Robbins bit because it's a callback yeah. to to the to the second film, or the first one. One of those two, probably the first one. I don't the know. card magic, with yeah. like going out to dinner with James Wu, hilarious. Like that whole opening bit is great because like just let Paul Rudd just be funny in his character, relating yeah. back to previously built storylines. Yep. This is just like a scatological joke that like doesn't fit. And there were several things like this that like, I'm sorry, this guy's built to just murder and is totally afraid of Kang. Why would he? 
be pulling his shots when fighting Cassie. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a lot Somebody of needs stuff. to die. <laughs> <laughs> and and the stuff that they choose to focus in on, like that the the setup of like I feel like they had a pretty good um window there to show us how horrifying that transformation for Darren would have been. But instead they chose to lift up his giant head, you know, highlight the fact that you know the dude's the the dude's buttocks was like on display for like a solid minute. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, but like the the humor and the and and the seriousness of the story would just not handle the right way. I feel like, especially like if you go back to the first Ant Man, like that was a movie that handled both of those pretty good. Like say what you will about the narrative and all that, right? Like the story, I feel like for the Ant Man movies has never been like the big strong point, but. The balance of the humor has always been nice, and I feel like over here it's like, it's like Thor four. Like we just went f- full on comedy, and like, let's see what sticks to the wall. Well, it's also like who do you surround him with, like uh, Michael Pena and like Ti, and that, <laughs> I forget the other guy's name, but like yeah. it's a funny crew. You don't have that support anymore. You replace it with Michelle Pfeiffer, and she's just like this mysterious like. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you guys about this. <laughs> like, oh, She's and I know every though. language that's spoken down here. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Also, I feel like the whole quantum stuff, like the whole plot of rebellion and all that. I like. I feel like it just it 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 felt like an episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> I think is the the best way that I could describe that whole aspect of the story. You know what vibe I got was uh, like during that end sequence fight when the rebellion shows up, it was yeah. the it was the exact same thing as Force Awakens or uh, what's the last one? Oh, uh, Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker like on yeah. the ship. Yeah, but there's more of us, and like all these planes just show up and like start shooting at his back. Like that was the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's. Yeah, which I, I get. Like nothing can be unique anymore. We've done pretty much everything, but it just like in combination with all these other elements, it's not that good. Um, so I probably would agree that like I think it's like Black Panther two. I probably put Thor above this. In all honesty. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I I the only reason why I feel like. I feel like we didn't get a performance as strong as Jonathan Majors' stuff in, in the Thor film. You get and, th- and that's what's kind of bringing this... We're, do we, like, do we're we, in, yeah, do we we're actually in get this phase where like, the bad guys are more interesting than the good guys, but this plot you know, format dictates that they have to die and yeah. the good yeah. guys get to live on it's ridiculous that like we have to do this. Like there has to be some stakes of losing heroes. And it's just like, I don't know. We have these insane contracts to do so many movies with these actors. I think there, there needs to be that this phase in in phase five. Like we need to start not, I'm not saying like, Oh, kill off everybody, but I feel like the stakes need to be known. You know, Rhodey needs to go. We could probably do without Rhodey. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Listen, I th- th- there's one thing you know, and I don't want to you know divert or get away from this a little bit too much, but like some of the stuff that I've been seeing recently with like Kevin Feige getting interviewed and, and talking about like, yeah, I didn't really like that we had to put too many projects in Phase Four. Like 
we're toning it down. <laughs> um, while I find it encouraging, I also feel like I hope that the point is not missed in that too much content is a problem. Yes. But I feel like beyond that, right, it's more so like the level of quality needs to be like you could if you release 18 projects in a phase, they, there's a potential that they could all be slam dunk winners, right? As long as each of them gets the right amount of resources and planning and, and dedication to it. I don't think quantity is necessarily the evil here, right? Like, I feel like it's just, it, it's the quality and that there's been a noticeable dip in phase four now carrying into this first movie of phase five. And I hope that gets addressed because it sounds like it is getting addressed, but like, I, because we're so far into what's already been produced, it's hard to kind of pull the plug on things. Right. But, um, and again, not to get to get too far away from Ant Man, but I just feel like this movie—if we had not had a couple of the Disney Plus stuff that we had, or like a couple of the other films—probably could have been a better movie if it had more attention paid to it. You know, if we structured it a little bit better, because I think part of the reason, like for example, the Shang Chi stuff, we're less than two years from that movie. You know, so like if we were back in phase one and two, when there was less projects coming out, it wouldn't feel like it was that long ago since we had Shang-Chi. But because yeah. we've had so many projects, it feels like we haven't had our follow up since then. And why haven't we? Well, it's coming. But the thing is, because it's on another schedule, it's just it, it has the feeling that we're not going to we're not getting any delivery off of it. Yeah, that's fair. But I would also argue the side that like. I don't care that it was a year and a half ago. Yes, in a year and a half ago, in phase one, we only had three or four projects total. But we've had, what you said, like 15 or so projects in Shang-Chi or something yeah. like that. Like, we should see something like some sort of connectivity. And I think yeah. that's the element of quality that's missing, that phase four is now done and nothing really tied together other than WandaVision into Doctor Strange. Yeah. And the only through line here from phase four to phase five so far is, is Kang, which I, you know, and look, I, I still have hopes that that is going to turn out to be good because they have a good performer there. The, the thing, and, and they've had a good solid beginning of it with Loki. Um, so I, I, you know, again, I think it's too quick to be like, oh, this is going to be terrible. But I do think that them at least coming out in public and saying like, yeah, it was a mistake to release too much, and yeah, we're going to focus on quality over quantity moving forward is a good thing to hear from them. It's certainly more than we got from Warner Brothers, who consistently was like, no, you guys are just tripping. We're going to release more <laughs> of the same stuff over and over again. Um, but yeah, like I, that's the thing. Like I feel like this movie isn't horrible it's just not like I, I it just gets me nostalgic for what i feel like i used to feel because every time i would come out of a marvel movie for a very long time it used to feel like wow how did they hit that home run again like it keeps happening you know <laughs> like it's like it was like too big to fail until it became way too big and they had to fail you know like I, I feel like we're at that point so um i don't know like I'm not not excited for what's coming up next, but I'm just not as enthusiastic, I guess, is what I can say. Yeah. Yeah, I think to me, the biggest thing I want moving forward is like just have some sort of accountability of 
or like consistency with powers. If you're calling this a nexus being where he is literally vaporizing people with little beams of light coming out of his hands, I don't know how Ant-Man's putting up any sort of a fight, even though he went big on Jonathan Majors for a second there. Like, it takes one little beam of light to just vaporize him. Where'd that go? (laughs) Yeah. And he also had the ability to, like, see them when they shrunk down and just, like, like, flick them away like a little ant. I don't know. I I really keep going back to like he like Ant Man probably should have died in this or had a, a bigger consequence of like now you're stuck down here. Yeah, they they missed the opportunity to to really establish consequence in the MCU. And you know, I think the the way that things are going right now, um, and you know, we've heard like the whole like the X Men are coming kind of thing. And now now the last. Those last couple of weeks with them like making all these new announcements for projects, they're putting dates to things. So like they're finally talking about like yeah the X Men are coming. Yeah we now have an idea of exactly what we're gonna do with them. I I have I've had this inkling feeling that from Phase Four to here, Marvel kind of admitted to that they lost their A-listers and they're not quite sure what to do with it. And now if you yeah. bring in the X Men, those are your A-listers. Right, like th- that that ha- that is a whole other thing on of its own. But I I fear that for the characters that we've gotten to know up to this point, are you gonna shuffle them into an ensemble, right? Or are we gonna sunset them? You kind of missed a good opportunity to sunset some of them here. You know, like I don't know. I, I at some point the universe is gonna be too big for the screen that I think you got to, you have to trim some of that away. And I don't want it to be like something where it starts becoming just like very forced. Like in the next phase or two, you're just going to start seeing death after death after death. I don't think that works either. I feel like, you know, just just kind of cutting your losses up to a little bit. And it's evident. Yeah, the thing that makes the most sense to me, like I get that they probably are just scared to like kill off Paul Rudd because that's a character or that's an actor that like a lot of people can connect with like of any age. He's funny to children, you know, he's world sexiest man to adults. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't want to get rid of him. That's like the ace of the sleeve, but you should also be starting to build like a new Avengers team because you're also building this growing threat of there's millions of Kangs that are turning their attention to our earth because we've like started becoming too advanced or something like that. Like, I don't know. I think you should start prepping the team for that incoming threat. And they just aren't making any progress on that. Like it's going to be this real quick assembly a la first Avengers, but we already knew all those characters and we just had to put them together. It's like, are we going to do that again? Right. It's been done. Like, and that's, I feel like that's what they rushed to do with phase four. That's why we got all these solo projects so that now you get that rushed meeting and it, it should feel natural. But I don't think it will, because at least two of these characters should have crossed paths at this point, right? Like, we should have had a, like, I don't know, a Miss Marvel meeting Spider-Man, because they're in the same, you know, tri-state area, or something. Like, I I feel like... like, Yeah, Sam Wilson in there, like, from his show, where he's got his powers and he's working in New York. I think he can also meet up with either of these, like... Yeah, you have a lot of characters that are New York-based. A few West Coasters, like, we should be building this 
yeah. ragtag team that will come together. We need a Tony because they know again. each other. Yeah, we need a Tony in, in the sense that, like, if if they want, and that's the thing, they got to settle on who's going to be the centerpiece of this franchise because it's got to be Spider Man. But everyone forgot about him, so yeah. Well, listen, they could do the Sam Wilson Captain America thing because he's got the the mantle for it now. But like, start using him in in post credit sequences. Like, start making it look like he's actually figuring out what's going on with all this stuff. Um, yeah. Because that's what Phase One did so well too. Like, Tony was in almost every after the credit scene for that first phase of movies. Right. Even the Hulk one, by the way, which they right. shelved. Putting together a team. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think that's where they need to go. I don't know. I don't have a clue if they're going to go that way. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about scenes or characters or anything else um, for you, man? I just want to talk about Kang some more. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do like talk on like how time works and how they're defining it, but that might be like a really long conversation that we should probably shelve. Well, give me your thesis. What do you think? Well, it's just confusing because, like, he seems to be the script writer for every timeline. Right. Like, within his timeline. But then he's also, like, not really in control. Yeah. Well, that's... I feel like the... The way that I kind of read it was the He Who Remains stuff, right? Like, he, he was in control of everything up until the point that he died. But then... Does that mean that he was preventing a multiversal incursion where other Kangs would jump onto this timeline? You know, like, or or did he end all of that and that was no longer a matter? So he was just making, you know, kind of trimming the hedges there a little bit. But yeah, is this all post Loki where he who remains right. dead and now they've all come back? They put this guy in Quantum Mania jail form their own council in this like short amount of time right yeah and, and that's the thing about kang i feel like it was a very interesting choice to bring into as the next Thanos, because like in the comics he was like a way that they it was a way for marvel to kind of tie its own history together to be like oh this character was present when we were timely comics with was actually present when we were back in the 1920s and you know et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have a feeling that the Kang we saw in the post-credits, uh, the second post-credits scene, the Victor Timely Kang and Kang the Conqueror are the same person. And I have a feeling that Kang the Conqueror, the one that is presumed dead here, is the main threat. And we we haven't seen the last of that version of Kang. Um, but, like, I... Because I, I can't see the Council of Kangs being... The main threat because at some point it's got to be one right one of these has to be the main threat it can't be all of them it'll be kind yeah, of ridiculous I, a, I feel like they'll probably go down the route of loki where when these variants get together at some point they're just going to betray each other because they all want power so i kind of see that in the makings uh in which case one of them has to be the top dog is it possible that like because he uh, the one the he who remains in Loki said that he would be reincarnated. Right. So is it possible that the one in the second credit scene is that he who remains 
come back at like the beginning of his timeline? That could be. That could be, and I think that might be. That might be an interesting thing. So, so then, like the whole saga is going to be them trying to restore he who remains back into where he was. I don't. Hey, yeah, I don't know. Put the TVA, put yeah. Owen Wilson in charge of it all. Something like that. I feel like. But something else. You also have to like what happened to Renslayer. Where is she? Like that's uh, Loki to me is probably like the most interesting project we have coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And this this helps fuel that. But I was already excited about that yeah although like i'll I'll be honest i feel like after that sec after the credit scene it kind of reminded me of how much i missed this this series <laughs> you know and 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 i hope listen i I like the fact that we're covering all this stuff on loki uh but i also have to like i'm a little nervous on how many people are actually watching the disney plus stuff and keeping up with the movies you get what i mean because it's it's almost like assigning homework to somebody and the general audience, the next time we see another Kang, will just be like, oh, it's the guy that, ki- that was killed off in, in Ant-Man Quantumania. I have a theory of something, because we know what the next two Avengers movies are going to be. It's the Kang Dynasty and then Secret Wars. And there's a... In, in the comics, Secret Wars is all about the multiversal war. So, like, all these different versions of the heroes have to fight each other to to see whose timeline gets erased and whose timeline stays as the prime timeline. So tying Kang into this makes sense. There's a character called the Beyonder, who's the guy that's ripping people away from different multiverses to get them to to the end of the end of time, which is where the confrontation happens. After after watching Ant-Man and the Wasp, I kind of think, what if the Kang that was pushed into that drive takes that role and is now the be like in this universe to beyond there is another variant of kang essentially hmm. i i don't know <laughs> i don't know but like it, it's an interesting thing to kind of speculate on that would be As, cool to watch yeah but I, it you know i'm looking forward to loki if any if nothing else this movie got me really looking forward to loki season two um yeah, and you, more you jonathan said, majors you said you were like concerned about how many people are actually going to watch that homework yeah of- the series i think everyone was really good about season ones i think the thing that concerns me is season twos because we've re-entered the age of like there's a lot of content to be watched on every platform for a while there was like disney kind of had a leg up because one they were brand new and two it was like oh whoa we've never seen a marvel show like that's interesting right. and there's also nothing else really out right now so, other than like tiger king so let me go watch this instead I think season ones did really well. I'm curious how season twos will do. I think they'll do just well. Here's the thing: I feel like it depends on what you follow up with a season two, right? Because like I don't, I don't think we need a Hawkeye season two. I don't we think we need. need... One. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to th- like like. There's certain ones that I feel like deserve a season two just because I feel like th- th- those characters deserve to live on that platform because they do so well there. Like I can see a Captain Mar- uh, a Miss Marvel season two. I can see yeah. a She-Hulk season two. Um, Moon Knight needs to go into the live action movies because I feel like there's a better storyline and an ensemble there for him. I don't think Same. we need a season two for him. Same uh, for Captain America. I think he should just go to movies. He's got to be a movie character, like especially if you're going to put an important 
you know piece of that into the to the pie like he needs to be but we're getting captain america 4 with with anthony mackie so that's coming but there's there's stuff that i feel like they're 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 making a mistake on like the echo spinoff from hawkeye yeah i like who's asking for that (laughs) (laughs) like and that's the thing like i know like they they and, and here's the thing that kind of bothers me on that one too because like they, they they're touting a lot of like oh like diversity inclusion and all that because echo yeah how dare they but no but i'm like the, you heard the, it here folks <laughs> ivan does not believe in diversity inclusion i do <laughs> no the thing that bugs me about it though is like whenever they make this effort hollywood seems to be like you have to watch it because it's this right, right. It's, instead of just being like here's a awesome story with this kick-ass character that's of whatever ethnicity you want to put them as and it's going to relate to the mcu in this this and that way instead of that they're like here's the way that we're diversifying the mcu and i was like cool but like we don't like like all due respect i feel like people stick around for a good story regardless of what's going on on the screen and so like as long as you're putting representation on the screen it's great but you also have to put in the effort to make it a good story because then people will care regardless of whatever's going on the screen yeah and then when you don't do that and you just promote it in one way it just feels like all you're doing is filling a quota there um and it gets me nervous because most of the time those projects are the ones that when you look at it tend to have the weakest scripts because they just don't put the love and attention that they do for other projects there so it kind of defeats the purpose but yeah, you're right though. Like, I'm I'm curious to see what season two is gonna be like uh, for all these shows. Um, I don't know though. I I have a feeling that for the stuff that was pretty well received, especially the stuff that I feel like you and I kind of spoke to on positive light, it seems to be a shared opinion across the board. Like, I think the ones that are the more controversial ones. I mean, you're gonna get some sort of dislike from the from you know the loudspeaker anyway. You know. Right. You you can't hit a home run with everybody, but it just, to me, like I said before, it feels like it's not geared towards us anymore. Or maybe that's just like these last couple projects, but I feel like Thor was really about, you know, kids feeling seen on screen. Uh, Black Panther was like the next generation. I'm just reading these signs of like, maybe it's time to not be the opening weekend crowd and be <laughs> catch it later on or catch it on Disney. I would agree, but as a D, but as an AMC A list member, <laughs> why would I not be? <laughs> oh man, my Regal's closing. I might have to go to AMC's Stubs. Yeah, that's my one disadvantage here. Like I've, I have the Regal's. The Regal's the closest one to me, and AMC I got to go all the way to the city for. But that's your disadvantage, not that you own four different platforms of membership. It's just two. <laughs> for now. Two and then all the streaming services. Let's get out of this booth, man. Yeah. Let's just get out of here. Let me go let me go binge watch the rest of Yellowstone. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> all right, man. Let's sign off. We'll catch them on the next one. What are we doing next? Mandalorian? Mandalorian's up next. I can't believe Woo. we're season three is already here. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one too. That 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 should uh, kind of bring us back into our usual. This is group. the show that built our podcast. Yes, and 
I've got some exciting stuff lined up for that show, including a little custom piece of audio music that we'll be using this for the, the intro. Yeah. <laughs> so, All yeah. Right, man. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody.